morning. 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 Several years ago, I heard a unique perspective on the whole Easter concept of time from John Ortberg. Uh, he tells this story that he used to play as a kid called Danny's Home. Maybe you played this story. Maybe, or maybe you played this game. It's uh, whenever his dad would come home, he would hear the door open and he would come running out of his room. His dad would sit down in his briefcase and he would jump up into his arms and say, Daddy's home. Maybe you had that experience. I don't know. But John Orberg says that there came a day that his mom came to him. His, his dad could not even do it. His mom came to him and said, Son, you're going to have to stop playing this game. And, and John Orberg says, says, why? And his mom says, well, you know, your dad's getting older, his, his arms are not as strong, and, you know, you're 37 years old. <laughs> there comes a time when you got to stop playing the game, right? <clears throat> but the great thing about God is that he doesn't get older. His arms do not get weaker. And no matter how old we are, He's always there with open arms, ready to take us. We've been going through this past week, we call it Holy Week. There's specific events that we celebrate or, or at least commemorate for each day of Holy Week, culminating in Sunday when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. At the heart of Christianity, are these three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The Latin word for it is the tridium. Because on Friday, we have the darkest day known to history. And on Sunday, we have the greatest day known in history. It's this wonderful day. It's this Death-defeating, joy-producing, grave-defeating, fear-destroying day that we celebrate. And we've done it for years, over 2,000 years. The Pentecostals are still shouting about it. Charismatics are still dancing because of it. The Baptists are still amening it. The Presbyterians are still studying about it. Episcopalians are still toasting it with sherry. It's a day that defines Christianity. We know what happened on Friday. We call that Good Friday. We know what happened on Sunday. We call this Easter Sunday. But the thing I would like to talk about this morning is the day in between. Saturday. What do we do this Saturday? Jesus was crucified and buried on Friday. He rose from the dead on Sunday. What happened on Saturday? Nothing. Nothing. There's a 4th century homily that was written specifically about this day. It says, what happened on earth on this day? There is a great silence. 
A great silence and stillness. A great silence because the king sleeps. God has died in the flesh and hell trembles with fear. What do we do with Saturday? It's the day after you lose the job. It's the day after you get the bad news from the doctor. It's the day after your marriage falls apart. It's the day after the pain or the agony or whatever it is you're going through. It's after that has already occurred. And you're living in Saturday. Your dream has died. And you don't know what to do with it. You don't know where to go. You don't know how to handle it. You have prayed that the anxiety would stop. It doesn't stop. What do we do with Saturday? We know what happened on Friday. Jesus was crucified. And can't you imagine what the disciples were going through on Saturday? Scripture doesn't tell us. But you have to believe that they were thinking something. We're thinking, what do we do now? We've just spent three years with this man named Jesus. He's taught us a lot of things, but now it seems to be over. And though nobody talks about it, not even today, You've got to imagine that at least some of them were thinking on Saturday that Jesus had failed. What do we do now? Where do we go? What happens next? Because on Friday, again, the darkest day in human history, as Jesus hung upon the cross, he shouted out as we read in Matthew 27, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in a moment, when the perfect Son of God, the Messiah of the world, feels that God has forsaken him, What hope is there for the rest of us? That's Saturday. And we've got to ask ourselves, because we know the rest of the story. We know what happens. We were we are not in the gospel story the way the disciples were on Saturday, because we know that the resurrection is coming. But even though Jesus had told them of his resurrection, we know. But they didn't get it. Because when it did happen, they were surprised by it. So on Saturday, they've got to be thinking that all is lost. In the gospel story, we've got to wonder, why is there a Saturday? I mean, why didn't Jesus just resurrect as soon as he was buried? Why do we have these three days we go through? Well, you find this three-day pattern throughout Scripture. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, Paul writes, and he says, For what I received I also passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried, and that on the third day he rose from the dead according to the Scriptures. Notice that little phrase in there twice, according to to the scriptures. We see a number of three-day stories in the Bible. When Abraham was asked by God to sacrifice his son Isaac, it was on the third day that God provided another sacrifice in his place. When Joseph's brothers were imprisoned in Egypt, they were released on the third day, when Rahab was hiding the spies, she kept them hidden for three days, and then they were released. When Esther was trying to find favor with the king, she prayed and fasted for three days, and on the third day, she found favor with the king. It is such a recurring occurrence within the Scripture that in Hosea chapter uh, 6, verse 2, it says, after two days, you will be revived. On the third day, he will restore you so that you, will live, so that you may live in his presence. It's this three-day story. It's after the dream dies. But nothing new is on the horizon. After you lose the job and, and you don't see any, any other opportunities in the future. After the marriage ends. And you just don't know what's going to happen. It's Saturday. It's Saturday. It's Saturday. In these three-day stories, we tend to see a trend. On the first day, we see trouble. That's when the trouble comes. That's when the heartbreak takes place. That's when we, we have the problem. That's when we face the situation. On the first day, we have the trouble. And on the third day, we have deliverance. We're pulled out of that. Sometimes we end up in a better relationship. We get a better job. We find a better dream that God has in store for us. But now here's the bad side of that. bad thing about three-day stories is that we don't know the three-day story until when? The third day. <laughs> that makes Saturday so much tougher if we know that Sunday's coming. Saturday is so much more tolerable. But the apostles didn't know Sunday was coming. All they knew is that the Savior of the world they had been following for three years was dead. They didn't know what to do with that. On the first day, you have trouble. On the third day, you have deliverance. On the second day, 
There's silence. There's silence. God seems distant. It's like, I don't know what to do with this. I'm in agony. I'm in pain. I'm in confusion. I've never felt this way before. I've never experienced anything like this before. God, where are you? C.S. Lewis. If you've never read C.S. Lewis, I would encourage you to do so. C.S. Lewis, for a good chunk of his adult life, was an atheist. But through study and, and digging into the Jesus story, he came to become a believer, a very devout follower of Jesus. He wrote this book called Surprised by Joy. Another thing you may not know about C.S. Lewis is that for a good chunk of his adult life, he was not married. He didn't get married until he was 57. And his wife's name, ironically, was Joy. And so his friends used to joke with him, you really were surprised by Joy. But he was only married for a few years before his wife became sick with cancer. And it was a slow, agonizing process, torturous process, that she went through and he went through with her before she eventually passed away. As a result of that experience, C.S. Lewis wrote another book called A Grief Observer. In that book, C.S. Lewis writes these words. When you are happy, so happy you have no sense of needing God, so happy you are tempted to feel his claims upon you as an interruption, if you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. But go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is in vain, and what do you find? A door slammed in your face. And a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. And after that, silence. You may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. And then he asked, what? Can this be? It's that silence. It's that Saturday. It's that sense of not knowing if there's going to be a third day. Is this going to be a three-day story or is it not going to be a three-day story? It's feeling like a door has been slammed in your face in the midst of your despair and all there is is silence. On Saturday, I believe we have three options. Three options. The first one is, is we can despair. Oh man, my life is over. It's never going to get any better. This is 
the end of life as I know it. I'm going to be dealing with this pain and this agony and this loss and this failure for the rest of my life. Apparently there were some in the New Testament that felt this way. In 1 Corinthians uh, 15, Paul writes this. Says, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection? Some people were saying there is no resurrection. There is no third day. It's just Saturday. That's it, man. This is all we got to look forward to for the rest of our lives. They live in despair. They choose despair on that day in between. The other option is denial. Denial is when you're going through that and somebody says to you, oh man, just have enough faith. Everything's going to be good. Look at the bright side. Everything's going to be beautiful. You have to, you've already gone through that. Let it go, man. Let it go. Everything's going to be beautiful. All you've got to do is have enough faith. Ever heard of people like that? You're going through the pain. You're going through the agony. And the last thing you want to hear them say is, you just need more faith. Come on, brother. They go through this denial that the pain is not real, that we're not really in that moment. We're not really going through that. This is not really a Saturday, man. It's, the resurrection's already taken place. Matter of fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 18, it says that some of you have said that the resurrection has already taken place, and it's destroyed the faith of some. When you're living in Saturday, the last thing you want to hear is, hey man, the resurrection's already taken place. Because for you, it hasn't. You're still living with the weight and pain of what happened on Friday. You could despair on Saturday. Or you can live in denial and say, well, this is not really the way. Everything's good. Everything's wonderful. The trouble's over. I'm great. But there is a third option. And this is the third option. Wait. That's exactly what you were looking for, right? <laughs> like, thanks a lot, Pastor Tommy. Jesus, is this what I came to church for this morning? You just want me to Wait. But in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 36, it says, But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Sometimes we just got to wait. Friday's already happened. We've lost the dream. Marriage has crumbled. We've lost the job. We get the bad news from the doctor. Whatever, whatever the case may be, whatever trouble has come on Friday has already happened. We are living in Saturday. What do we do? We can despair. We can live in the night. Or we can wait. Now when I say wait, I'm not talking about a, a, a life of passivity where you just sit back and go, okay, let's see what happens. But what I'm talking about is as you wait, that everything you do, you do with him. Even though he may seem silent at the time. Because here's the truth of the matter, folks. On Saturday, on Saturday, on Saturday, 
You can be with God in a way that you could be with him on no other day. When we're in the middle of the trouble, when we're in the chaos of the moment, sometimes it's easy for us to realize that God is all we've got to cling to. And so we cling to him. And on Sunday, when everything's alive, when the resurrection has taken place, and you've got the new job, the new dream, the new relationship, and you're able to, to say, God, you're a wonderful God. You've really blessed me. Thank you, God. I celebrate and you for this. But we don't have either one of those on Saturday. We have an opportunity to be with God on Saturday in a way that we cannot be with him on any other day when we patiently and faithfully wait on the Lord. And when we wait on the Lord, He will renew our strength. Henry now, who knew a little bit about Saturday, is a great Christian author. I would encourage you to read some of his stuff, watch some of his videos you can find on YouTube. But Toward the last few years of his life, he oddly enough developed a, a, a desire for studying and watching flying trapeze artists. I mean, that seems odd, right? But with, with a trapeze artist, you've really got two people, right? You've got the flyer and you've got the catcher. And there's some things you want to be true about each. For the flyer, they need to be nimble and flexible and, and not put on too much weight, right? And for the catcher, they need to be strong. And, and, and I'm sure the flyer is hoping that they're not likely to get sweaty palms in the midst of, of what's going on. But in the, in, the, in the time that the flyer lets go, and before they are caught by the catcher, what do they have to do? They have trust. They trust as they wait. They just wait. There's nothing they can do to hurt the process. And although when we watch flying trapeze artists, we look at that and go, oh, that's in a split second. But I'm sure when you're flying in the middle of the air and you're not sure if that person's going to grab you, that may seem like an eternity. But they just wait. They wait for the catcher to stretch out his arms, his strong, powerful arms, and catch him. And on Saturday, we have the opportunity to do that with God. When we're in Friday, we're in the midst of the trouble and the chaos of the moment. We may lean on him, but we're not waiting for him to catch us. On Sunday, as we celebrate the resurrection, as we celebrate what God has done in our lives and how he's turned everything around for the better, we don't have to wait. Because he's already there. He's caught us. But on Saturday, that's where we learn how to wait. How to trust, how to have faith, how to be patient, and wait on the Lord. And through that, He renews our strength.
Matthew, or Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man, Jesus referring to himself here, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, before you look at this and go, Friday, Sunday, that, that's, that's not three days. That's not three days. Let me, let me share with you a story. Assume that a minister is getting ready to leave for the weekend on a speaking engagement, and he leaves his wife and two little kids, very small kids, that really need a lot of attention. Leaves his wife and kids on Friday, and then he comes back on Sunday evening, and he comes back, and, and his wife comes, and, and she hugs him and goes, Oh, I'm so glad you're, you're back, man. I need help with the kids, and it's so good to have you here. Oh, I, I just missed you being gone for three days. And the minister goes, oh, Hold on. I was here Friday. And today's Sunday. I'm here now. Really, I was only gone one day. And she says, No, you were gone three days. Who's right in that scenario? The wife, she is. Why? Because she's always right. Yeah. All the ladies of love. In biblical times, they had a measurement of time that was called inclusive, whereas they, they included the day of that, that an event took place. They would include that day. So if it was... If it, Started on Friday and ended on Sunday, that would be considered three days. Three days. We've talked about that middle day. What what did Jesus do on this middle day? Well, there may be something. There may be something. The passage of scripture in 1 Peter chapter 3. And it, and it says this, starting with verse 18 and goes to verse 20. It says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. Look at, look at what it says here. Through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. Now there's a lot of speculation and discussion and study on exactly what this means. But I tell you, many people interpret this to mean that while Jesus was between his death and his resurrection, that he actually went to hell and preached to the souls that were there from back in Old Testament times. Matter of fact, the Apostles' Creed backs up this belief when it says in there that, that Jesus descended into hell. Now, if that's what happened, I don't know. I don't know. Some people agree with that, some people disagree with that. But if that is what happened, just stop to think about what that means for Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried in a grave. And he descended 
into hell. Folks, if you can find Jesus in death, if you can find Jesus in the grave, if you can find Jesus in hell, where can you not find him? Regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what trouble, what pain, what agony, and you may even say what hell you're going through, Jesus is there. Jesus is there. He may seem silent. He may even seem distant, but he's there. He's always there. When our kids were real little, they used to love when we travel and we go to hotels. They used to love to go to the swimming pool. They still love going to the swimming pool, but now they're old enough where we can say, okay, go down to the swimming pool. But when they were real little, we had to take them. Uh, they couldn't swim yet, so you had to keep a constant eye on them, keep a hold of them, have floating and all that stuff. And one particular time when we were at a hotel and they were wanting to go to the pool, and my wife was exhausted. So she stayed in the room, and I took both of the kids down to the pool. And we were down in the pool, we were playing, we were splashing and stuff like that. And just for a second, I took my eye off of my daughter, and she went under. And I grabbed her real quick and, and brought her up, and she, she jumped a little bit. She goes, oh, Daddy, I drowned. I drowned. <laughs> no, baby, you didn't drown. You didn't drown. I was right here the whole time. I was here to just, just lift you up. I'm here for you. Nothing's wrong. You're fine. Matter of fact, there's no reason to tell mommy about this. <laughs> you know, sometimes we feel like we're drowning. But God is there. It may not seem like it in the moment. It may feel like Saturday. Because we can't hear it. And it feels like a door has been slammed in our face. But he's still there. He's still there. And let me tell you with assurance, your story is a three-day story. It's a three-day story. You may be in the middle of Saturday now. But believe me, Sunday's coming. The resurrection is coming. Jesus is coming. Whether you're, you feel like you're in death, you feel like you're in the grave, you may feel like you're in hell, Jesus is there. And he's got the strong arms to lift you up. All we got to do is wait on him. God, we thank you. We thank you for your son, Jesus, that you sent to die for our sins. God, we thank you for that sacrifice that took place on Friday. God, we thank you for that victory over death that took place on Sunday. But God, sometimes it's hard for us to be thankful in the middle of Saturday. God, I pray that you, you will be with each and every one of us as we experience those Saturdays in our lives, that silence, that the, the, the time that's the in-between, the chaos is, is gone, but nothing is any better. God, in the midst of those times, help us to wait on you. Because we know that on Saturday we could be with you in a way that we could be with you no other day. 
Because when we wait on you, we renew our strength. Knowing that eventually your arms are going to reach down and grab us up and pull us out of that water. Pull us out of that grave. Pull us out of that death. Pull us up out of that hell that we're going through. God, we thank you for Jesus. It's in his precious name that we pray. Amen.